Hey, this podcast is sponsored by our personal finance courses. So if you have problems with mastering your money and you need help, go down below and learn how to master your money. And this is a plan that anyone of any income level can follow. It is simple and easy to follow for any income level in any situation and it's very straight to the point. And if you want to learn how to make money online, go down below as well. And we'll see you in future episodes. Biden failed on his infrastructure bill. So let's get into it. So Biden seeks new coalition for infrastructure bill as talks with key GOP senators fall apart. So let's get right into it. So negotiations between the White House and a small group of Republican senators over a bipartisan infrastructure bill collapsed on Tuesday, weighed down by deep disagreements over what constitutes infrastructure and how much money should be allocated for it. Senator Shelley Moore Capito, the lead Republican negotiator, said President Joe Biden has spoken to her by phone Tuesday and ended the negotiations. I spoke with the president this afternoon, and he ended our infrastructure negotiations, more Capito said in a statement. Throughout our negotiations, we engaged respectfully, fully, and very candidly, delivering several serious counteroffers that each represented the largest infrastructure investment Republicans have put forth, she said. And Tuesday's announcements marked the end of more than a month of intense negotiations between Republican senators and the president and the respective staffers. With no grand bargain in sight, Biden on Friday reached out to three senators who are part of a bipartisan group that has been quietly working on a backup infrastructure plan. By the way, it it's failed, and they're going to keep on trying to do it. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. But the problem with this whole kind of like infrastructure bill, right, is that you have basically the left trying to push something and the right basically saying, hey, don't push that hard. So who knows what's actually going to happen in this whole situation. Feel free to give your thoughts. But for the most part, who knows, right? Either way, what really needs to happen is that you need to know how to master your money so that whatever happens, whether they destroy the monetary system or not, you can at least manage your money correctly to make sure that you feel a little bit safer. So if you need help, mastering your money go down below into the description and learn how to master your money breaking and the price is soaring and falling non-stop today so bitcoin falls after the u.s seizes most of the colonial ransom according to an article of cnbc so bitcoin's price slipped again tuesday amid a brutal sell-off among digital currencies the reason for the move was unclear however it may be related to concerns over security of the cryptocurrency after u.s officials managed to recover most of the ransom paid to hackers that targeted colonial pipeline and court documents said investigators were able to access the password for one of the hackers bitcoin wallets and the money was recovered by a recently launched task force in washington created as part of the government's response to a rise in cyber attacks which, by the way, if you're feeling uneasy when it comes to money, you can learn how to master your money down below in the description of this episode. So Bitcoin accelerated its slide to fall below the $32,000 level late Tuesday morning. So the world's largest cryptocurrency then recovered slightly, trading 9% lower at 32854 
as of 4.01 p.m. ET. Smaller digital coins also slumped, with Ether falling about 8% to 2,499.28, and XRP tanking over 7%. So in April 2021, was looking to be a banner year for digital assets, with Bitcoin having topped 60 thousand dollars for the first time ever but a recent plunge in crypto prices has shaken confidence in the market and bitcoin sank to nearly thirty thousand dollars last month and is currently down roughly 50 percent from its all-time high so the digital currency is now up only about 12 percent since the start of the year though it's still more than tripled in price from a year ago you know so basically what you gotta also think about too if you think of Bitcoin for like a long-term situation, this shouldn't really, you know, matter to you too much, right? Because, you know, typically people who end up getting into Bitcoin are trying to invest for the long term, right? And really when it comes down to it, if you're trying to like do this in a very conservative and safe way of investing or mostly safe way, the best way to get into like cryptocurrency would be maybe put like one to five percent of your net worth into things like this because then it doesn't really have any massive impact on your everyday life, but it has the chance of basically hedging your bets and basically being like, you know what, this might increase over the long term. And you know, if it drops, I don't really care too much, but if it increases, wow, my net worth could dramatically increase without really much risk to myself right and you can always do like dollar cost averaging with this kind of thing right so i believe if you go into the description of this episode you could actually join like coinbase and like even robin hood and all that kind of stuff right and you can auto invest you know a certain amount per day per week or per month and do it like consistently over time and you can do the same thing with just you know investing in a more typical way where you could just do that over time, same like basically same day every month that you invest, almost like you know a mortgage payment or a rental payment. Same day every month you put money into like an investment, and so there's a lot of different ways to get involved into this sort of stuff in a more reasonable way instead of just like tossing and like yodeling and holding all of your money into something like this. But you know. One to five percent of your net worth probably wouldn't be that bad of a uh, investment strategy, right? So, yeah, not too bad. Feel free to give your thoughts. I don't think this is really that big of a deal. I mean, Bitcoin is probably going to go up and down for the next couple of days nonstop. I mean, honestly, I still wouldn't be surprised if Bitcoin ends up getting to like a hundred thousand dollars by the end of this year at some point. Like, I could see that actually happening. Just because of how crazy Bitcoin is, like, you know, the whole ecosystem of Bitcoin and, you know, the cultiness of the people that end up investing into it as well. Like, I could seriously see it go all the way up to 100000 before this year ends. Chipotle hikes prices to cover the cost of raising wages. Which is pretty interesting when you really think about it. So Chipotle Mexican Grill has hiked many prices by roughly 4% to cover the cost of raising its workers' wages. And across the restaurant industry, 
chains such as Chipotle, Starbucks, and McDonald's have been increasing the hourly pay for employees at company-owned locations in a bid to attract new workers and retain their current ones. Consumer demand has come roaring back for restaurant meals, but the workforce has been slower to return, pushing eateries to sweeten the deal. And in May, the leisure and hospitality industries added 292,000 jobs, but employment in those fields is still down by 2.5 million, compared with pre-pandemic levels, according to the Department of Labor. So in May, Chipotle said that it would raise hourly wages for its restaurant workers to reach an average of $15 an hour by the end of June, and company executives said at the Baird Global Consumer Technology and Services Conference that they would be passing along the price of raising pay to consumers. It feels like the right thing at the right time, and it feels like the industry is now going to have either do something similar or play some kind of catch-up, CFO Jack Hartung said at the virtual conference. Otherwise, you'll just lose the staffing gain. CEO Barry Nicole said the company prefers not to raise its prices, but that the move made sense in this scenario. The timing of the price hikes coincides with rising ingredient costs across the restaurant industry as suppliers grapple with the return of demand, and for now, Chipotle isn't planning on further price increases. Ingredient costs, thats there's talk about it. We'll see where that leads Hartang said, the shares of Chipotle were trading up 1.3% on Tuesday, and the stock has fallen more than 3% this year, giving it a market value of $37.72 billion. Now, you might actually have seen like examples of this as to like different companies in your local area basically you know, increasing prices, right? Like, as a, an example, right, there was a gas station that was offering... for a sign-on bonus for new workers because people are not working. So that's something to, like, keep in mind. Like, people need to start working because things are going to get really nuts if they don't, right? So just keep that in mind. Bloomberg, Elon Musk, Icon, whoever the hell that is, and Soros pay tiny fraction of wealth and income taxes, a report reveals, and this is by CNBC. So it gets right into the uh, story. So some of the world's richest men, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Warren Buffett, Carl Icahn, and Michael Bloomberg and George Soros pay just a tiny fraction of their increasing wealth in taxes and in some cases pay no taxes in a given year, according to a report Tuesday. So ProPublica, citing confidential IRS data, it obtained on thousands of wealthy people, which, by the way, I think that's actually illegal, reported that the 25 richest Americans saw their worth rise a collective $401 billion from 2014 to 2018. But those people paid a total of just $13.6 billion in federal income taxes for those five years, which amounts to a true tax rate of only 3.4%, the article noted. Now, before we continue, right, you also got to understand, like, yeah, they're worth increased by a drastic amount but you got to understand that most of these people end up you know creating companies or businesses where they own a portion of stock right of that company so that stock is typically increases in like massive value right so even though technically speaking they might be worth you know these billions and billions of dollars it doesn't actually mean that they have access to that amount of money Right, because typically speaking, in these massive corporations, 
a lot of these guys are legally not allowed to sell a certain percentage of their stocks in a given year, right? So even though they might be worth like, let's just say like $10 billion, right? As an example, they might actually only be able to legally sell maybe half a bill per year or maybe $100 million worth of stock per year. Like they're actually only allowed to do do certain things because of the SEC, right? So you got to keep that in mind. So even though, you know, all these people might increase their worth a certain extent because of the companies that they made, that doesn't necessarily mean that they actually have access to that money. And in some cases, let's put it this way, right? You could technically speaking probably get paid in stock options without actually having a actual income from the company, right? So your your tax rate would be super low if you're only getting paid in stock and not actual money, right? So I believe, I mean, there was like a story years ago where like Zuckerberg like only had like a an income of like $10 or something, but he was getting millions and millions of dollars worth of stock. So that's something to think about. So in contrast, the median U.S. household in recent years earned around $70,000 annually and paid 14% of that in federal taxes. Couples in the highest income tax rate bracket paid a rate of 37% on earnings higher than $628,300, the report said. So ProPublica pointed out that billionaires, unlike most other people whose earnings come from conventional wage income, often benefit from tax-avoidance strategies beyond the reach of ordinary people, and their wealth is often largely based on the rising value of stock and real estate that is not considered taxable unless those assets are sold, the report noted. ProPublica did not disclose how it obtained the tax information cited in the article, but did say that the outlet went to considerable lengths to confirm that the information sent to us is accurate. CNBC has not independently ver- verified the information, blah, 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 blah. So the article said that according to ProPublica's calculations, Buffett, you know, Warren Buffett's true tax rate was just 0.1% or $23.7 million in taxes he paid on wealth growth of $24.3 billion during the five-year time frame. During that period, Buffett, CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, reportedly legally reported legally taxable income of $125 million. Bezos, who as founder of Amazon has become the world's richest person, paid slightly less than 1% in ProPublica's true tax rate, or $973 million, on wealth growth of $99 billion during the five-year period. And Bezos' actual taxable income during that time was $4.22 billion, the report said. In 2007, Bezos did not pay a penny in federal income taxes, and he also avoided any federal income tax liability in 2011, the article said. In the world's second richest person, Tesla CEO Elon Musk, paid a 3.27% true tax rate, or $455 million on wealth growth of $13.9 billion, ProPublica said. Musk, who had an actual taxable income of $1.52 billion during the five-year period, paid no federal income taxes in 2018, according to ProPublica. Bloomberg, former New York City mayor and founder of Bloomberg LP, paid a 1.3% true tax rate, or $292 million, during the time period looked at by ProPublica. 
His actual taxable income was $10 billion, the report said. And Soros, an investor, paid no federal income taxes between 2016 and 2018, which was a result of him losing money on his investments, his spokesman told ProPublica. Icon, another investor, paid no federal income tax in 2016 and 2017, years in which his total adjusted gross income was $544 million. The article said, Nikon told Propublica that he registered tax losses in both of those years as a result of taking deductions worth hundreds of millions of dollars due to the interest he paid on loans. As whether it was appropriate that he paid no income tax in certain years, Icon said he was perplexed by the question. Propublica reported, There's a reason it's called income tax, Icon was quoted as saying in the article. The reason is, if you're a poor person, a rich person, if you're Apple, you have no income. You don't pay taxes. Yet, do you think a rich person should pay taxes no matter what? I don't think it's germane. How can you ask me that question? White House spokeswoman Jen Psaki on Tuesday was asked about the leak of tax information to ProPublica. Any unauthorized disclosure of confidential government information by a person with access is illegal, and we take this very seriously, Psaki told reporters at a news conference. The IRS commissioner said today that they are taking all appropriate measures, including referring the matter to investigators and Treasury, and the IRS are referring the matter to the Office of the Inspector General and the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, the FBI, and the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia, all of whom independent authority to investigate. So obviously we take it very seriously, she added. Saki also said that she would not comment on the specific data in the article, but also said, broadly speaking, we know that there is more to be done to ensure that corporations and individuals at the highest income are paying more of their fair share. Now again, this is a little bit misleading no matter how you look at it, because let's go back to what Icon said, because he makes it actually a very good point, right? So when he was asked whether it was appropriate, right, that he paid no income tax in certain years, Icon said he was perplexed by the question, right? Because look, this specific thing summarizes everything, right, that you need to understand, right? There is a reason it's called income tax. The reason is if you're a poor person, a rich person, or Apple, if you have no income, you don't pay taxes. And this is something that technically speaking, any single person in America can actually do. Like, it doesn't matter what your income level actually is. Technically speaking, based off the tax law, and I'm not a tax advisor, but based on the law, you could pretty much, on paper, show that you are in debt and paying debt more than what you actually make. And you could technically, on paper, show that you're losing money. Even though, technically speaking, you're not really losing money. So an example of this is basically, let's say that you make like a million dollars in a year, right? Like that's actually how much you make per year. Well, what you could end up doing is basically get loans out that equal a million dollars, right? Or very close to it. So that you could basically get, you know, like a mortgage of, you know, a million dollars or, you know, like a mortgage in a car loan right, for a very expensive car, right, because you don't pay money off of loans, and a lot of, sometimes a lot of rich people end up basically putting all their money into basically some sort of asset, and then take loans out on the asset, because the loans on their assets, they don't got to pay taxes on, 
right? So for example, they might have like a million dollars worth of stock, but if they take loans out on that million dollars of stock that they own, they don't actually got to pay taxes on them basically giving themselves a million dollars, right? Because it's a loan. And so it gets pretty complicated, but any single person in the United States can technically show that they're making no money and not pay any taxes. So again, this is a very misleading kind of uh, situation because a lot of these guys are basically doing everything that anyone, any single individual can actually go and do, right? Not to mention some of these guys probably don't actually get paid an income, right? Because if you end up just getting stock, that is basically considered something different than just getting income, right? It's not viewed the same, right? So let's say that, you know, you get paid like a salary of like $100,000, right? That's going to be viewed completely different than if you were also to get paid $100,000 of stock options, right? Like that's completely different in you know, the way that is viewed in, you know, the tax legal system, right? So that's something that you got to really understand about all these, like, situations when it comes to, you know, oh, you know, why do these people not really pay any taxes? It's because what they're doing is basically kind of showing that they don't really have income, right? A lot of these guys don't really have income. So it's just something to really think about. And this is why also companies can also do this too, like a company technically like Apple could, you know, make like a billion dollars per year. But if they invest a billion dollars by buying other companies, well, that's an expense of the company. And since they're viewed as like companies are technically viewed as like individuals, they have rights, which also shows that, you know, basically they're not making an income, right? Because if you spend all the money, you have no income, right? So it's just another way to really think about it. Now, I do not recommend anyone to actually go and do this or do what they're doing because one is super complicated to actually get this stuff done, even though technically everyone can do it. And then two, like this is just going to cause you a massive amount of stress, right? Like it's just going to be a, a massive amount of stress. So if you want to learn how to master your money, go down below in the description of this episode because... My lord, this is totally not worth the hassle. By the way, it's probably very illegal what, like, how they got this information.